Library Launches Home Energy Saving Kits Article by Elizabeth Lee The county's library service teamed up with the Environment Department of Carlow County Council to help householders take positive climate action by introducing home energy saving kits. The kit contains six practical tools which look at key areas of energy use in the home, such as space heating, hot water and electricity consumption. The tools can help to identify common issues such as a lack of insulation, poor ventilation and the appliances that might be driving up electricity bills. The kit also contains a step-by-step user manual to guide you on how to use each tool correctly. But there are also online demonstration videos available. There are also brochures with energy-saving tips, a temperature card and a worksheet to track and compare results. Each kit also contains a survey form, so the user can give feedback to Kodima, Dublin's energy agency, which spearheaded the idea to help it evaluate the impact that the kits are having on user behaviour. We have all come to realise that each of us has a responsibility to try to live sustainably, and many of us are looking to make simple changes that can contribute to the reduction of greenhouse gases, said Jeanette O'Brien, Environmental Awareness Officer at Carlow County Council. Wasting energy is not only bad for the planet, but bad for your pocket, too. Dermot O'Leary, branch manager at Carlow Central Library, said, Library staff have been trained and have tested all of the equipment already, and we are ready to offer advice and support to householders interested in taking the kit home. Borrowing is easy. You just express your interest in taking the kit with your local Carlow County librarian, and when the kit is available, we will contact you. The loan period is two whole weeks, which gives you plenty of time to assess energy usage in your home. Carlo Library Service will also be posting several short videos on its social media channels featuring staff who have used the energy kits in their homes. Concern over condition of old pub in Baltingglass, article by Elizabeth Lee. Baltingglass Tidy Towns has appealed to local residents and other interested people to write to Wicklow County Council about the condition of a disused pub. Known locally as the Dutchman's, the pub has been vacant in recent years and has been showing severe signs of neglect. In a state of advanced disrepair, the plaster is crumbling off the walls and there are holes in the roof where slates have fallen off. It occupies a prominent position in the town, being on the corner of Edward Street and the town's only bridge, so it's an eyesore. Its location at a busy junction has also caused concern on safety levels. Terry Kenny, the chairperson of the local Tidy Towns group, has set up an awareness campaign about the state of the building and is asking people to send photographs of the former watering hole into the local council. One of the slates is going to hit someone. They're not just loose, they're dislodged. It's frightening to see the condition of it, Terry told the Nationalist. We want as many people as possible to contact the council about it because someone will get injured. The building has been lying idle for years. We want something done about it before there's a fatality. Wicklow County Council has acknowledged that it is in receipt of a complaint about the Dutchman's Inn and is investigating the matter. Witches Walk in Old Lachlan Skull Militia in Old Lachlan had their Witches Walk on Friday the 22nd of October. The walk was held in line with HSE guidelines for schools and each class participated in the walk within their own class bubble. 
The event was organised by the school's parents' association and the funds raised will subsidise music lessons and pay for teaching resources for the children. The children and staff had a wonderful fun day dressing up as their favourite Halloween characters and showcasing their costumes. And afterwards, they enjoyed some well-earned refreshments. Godfrey's Gospel According to Michael Godfrey Has wintertime maybe had its day? Let's get something out there from the start. I love the fact that the clocks go back and forward every year. I noted with interest that Fine Gael MEP Sean Kelly was quick off the mark last Sunday morning, quoting facts and figures about how everyone in Europe was all for doing away with the notion of old and new time, as we call it. But they much prefer the more grander-sounding daylight hours scenario. I also remember Mr Kelly previously talking about how the EU had undertaken a massive Europe-wide survey on the matter to get the feelings of people across all member states. The results of these findings gave a resounding yes to the idea that changing the time every year must go. I always find it amazing when politicians, or anyone for that matter, quickly draw on percentages to support their argument. And if you don't happen to agree with them, they look at you as if you had two heads. You are made to feel like everyone else is in step, but you are not. The last time I checked, there were over 440 million people in the EU, but how many of them were canvassed about time change? This debate kicked off at EU level in 2018, and the following year, the Department of Justice canvassed people in this country about the matter the majority of whom voted in favour of scrapping the practice. But guess what? Only 16,000 people were canvassed, and I can tell you that none of them represented me or anyone I have spoken to. In fairness to the government, it is not entirely in favour of the notion, as the powers that be in Leinster House think that might lead to two time zones in this country, with Northern Ireland in a different time zone to the rest of us, even though the majority of its citizens voted to stay in the EU. But as we all know, Brexit put pay to that notion. By the way, it wouldn't be the first time we had two time zones in this country. Back in the 1950s, the people of Callan stuck it out for more than 10 years as the mother of all rows waged between two factions in the town as to what was the correct time, until a referendum was eventually called to decide the matter. Last weekend was supposed to be the last time for the clocks to go back, but whether that becomes a reality is anyone's guess. The pandemic has put paid to a lot of things, the time change issue included, and rightly so. But there are more pressing matters to sort out than the time. However, things have a habit of rearing their heads again when more pressing matters get sorted, so to speak. Obviously, Mr Kelly believes winter time should be abolished, as he was leading the campaign here when it was first mooted in 2018, and appears to be still doing so. Even though I support the time change, I also hate the dreary winter mornings and evenings. We get up in the dark and go home in the dark, but it does end, and summertime is always worth looking forward to. There is also the fact that this whole saga has been played out in the past, I can remember a time when every school child in the country was issued with reflective armbands because they walked to school in the dark. Not too many children walk to school these days, but our roads are dangerous enough during the winter months without adding further danger. 
And anyway, isn't it nice to know that even though there are a few dark days ahead, summer is on its way? We'll know it has finally arrived when we get to put the clocks forward again. Time to think with Father Paddy Byrne. A time to remember those we have lost. Halloween did not come from Hollywood. Rather, its origins are strongly connected to ancient Celtic roots. In Celtic Ireland about two millennia ago, Samhain was the point between the lighter summer and darker winter halves of the year. At Samhain, the gap between this and the other world was at its thinnest, allowing spirits to pass through. People's ancestors were honoured and invited home, while harmful spirits were warded off. People wore costumes and masks to disguise themselves as spirits to avoid harm. Bonfires and food played a large part in the festivities. The bones of slaughtered livestock were cast into a communal blaze, while household fires were extinguished and started again from the bonfire. Food was prepared for the living and the dead and was ritually shared with the less well-off. Christianity incorporated honouring of the dead into the Christian calendar with All Saints, All Hallows, on the 1st of November, followed by All Souls the next day. The wearing of costumes and masks to ward off harmful spirits has survived as a Halloween custom. The Irish emigrated to America in great numbers during the 19th century, especially around the time of the famine during the 1840s. The Irish carried their Halloween traditions to America, where it is now one of the major holidays of the year. November is the time of the year when we remember the souls of loved ones who have gone before us. November is a difficult time of year. The beginning of winter brings long nights and cooler days. This can be a time of loneliness and anxiety, especially for those who live alone. In our Celtic tradition, we have a great sense of our own mortality and vulnerability during this month. The Celtic festival of Samhain was a time to remember all who had gone before. Death is difficult and painful. It strips us of the familiar and often leaves us naked and vulnerable with our bereavement and painful losses, which we all have experienced when a loved one dies. The death of a loved one often leaves many unanswered questions as we attempt to carry on without a husband or wife, sibling or friend. Edith Stein, a Jewish lady who converted to Catholicism and who subsequently became a Carmelite nun, ended her life with thousands more in the death camp of Auschwitz. It was in this deathly place that innocent people were horrendously oppressed by their captors, who did everything to break their human spirit before death met darkness. She, in the gift of both her faith and her experience, and above all out of the abundance and richness of God's great love, shares with us, and when night comes and retrospect shows that everything is patchwork and much which one has planted is left undone, when so many things rouse shame and regret, then take all as it is, lay it in God's hands and offer it up to him. In this way we will be able to rest in him, actually to rest and to begin the new day like a new life. Perhaps the two most powerful lines in the entire Gospel describe the human emotion felt by Jesus when his friend Lazarus died. Jesus wept. Jesus knew the pain and hurt that comes when a loved one dies. And for God to fully embrace the human condition, he also had to embrace death itself through his Son. The humiliating and brutal manner of Christ's death united God with all types of suffering and persecution. 
The final words that came from our dying God were in the form of a prayer of welcome and wonderful invitation. Today you will be with me in paradise. We know from our own experience that the leaves will blossom again, that spring will come. Christ's death, Christ's death was the ultimate demonstration of love by his Father. As he was awoken to new life and resurrection, so too are all of us who believe in him. As we remember our loved ones who have died and pray for them, we do so with great hope in our hearts. St. Paul tells us that our true home is in heaven. May all our loved ones enjoy the eternal promise of life and peace in the happiness and joy of God's presence. Jesus tells us, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you too shall be. And despite the pain that comes when a loved one dies in faith, we are encouraged to hope in the reality that God's love is even brighter than death itself. Podrick Pierce once told a beautiful story to demonstrate our Christian hope regarding death. In the month of September, the little boy asked his mother, Where do all the swallows go? She replied, To the land where it is always summer. We all have loved and lost. May all we remember enjoy the light of an eternal flame. St. Bridget's Prayer by Brendan Kennelly I'd like to give a lake of beer to God. I'd love the heavenly host to be tippling there for all eternity. I'd love the men of heaven to live with me, to dance and sing. If they wanted... I'd put at their disposal vats of suffering. White cups of love I'd give them with a heart and a half. Sweet pitchers of mercy I'd offer to every man. I'd make heaven a cheerful spot, because the happy heart is true. I'd make the men contented for their own sake. I'd like Jesus to love me too. I'd like the people of heaven to gather from all the parishes around. I'd give a special welcome to the women, the three Marys of great renown. I'd sit with the men, the women and God there by the lake of beer. We'd be drinking good health forever, and every drop would be a prayer.